Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am Pyra Jedi, Anders Drew. While we may vary in terms of our ranks here at BGS, one thing will always remain constant much to learn we still have indeed this season on bohemian geek studies we are taking a detailed dorky dive into star wars rebels today we'll be going over the season one episodes eight nine and ten empire day gathering forces and path of the jedi one of my personally favorite rebels episodes of all time yes these are so good we have done our best to scramble our signature and we are avoiding spoilers for future episodes but we are going to throw in an adult content warning for the younglings. So without further ado, let's hop aboard the ghost and head to Lethal to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Anders, let's open up that first holocron. Yes, yes, yes. Our first holocron, the Journal of the Wills. This is where we will be diving into the plot for today's episodes. So we start off with Empire Day. Immediately, we have a Lothcat sighting. I also see one behind Colleen. <laughs> Kanan and Ezra are training and Kanan is trying to get Ezra to open himself up to the force he wants Ezra to learn how to form connections with other beings through the force and the Lothcat is Ezra's first subject a little weird for a Jedi to be talking about making connections but okay we'll roll with it obviously Ezra fails miserably at first and the cat hisses and pounces on him Kanan learns that Ezra is off because he's nervous, angry, and sad about Empire Day. I do want to point out, very like adult of uh, Ezra to just come out and admit it. He's like, yo, today yes. is really just not a good day. Empire Day is not a good day. Yep. They go to meet the rest of the crew at Joe's Cantina, where a group of Imperials are looking for a renegade Rodian. Ezra recognizes the hollow picture, a former family friend named Sibo. The ghost crew is planning on disrupting the Empire Day celebration, and they hide amongst the people watching the parade and stays a divergent of fireworks. Great moment there where the minister is telling her uh, her underlings, great job with these. And he's just like, yeah, yes. Totally planned. <laughs> Ezra shows up just in time to see the TIE fighter on display explode from one of Sabine's charges, because whose else would it be? 
unable to escape to the rendezvous with Hera, Ezra takes everyone to his old home. Sibo is hiding there and is a whole mess, muttering to himself so incoherently. He's terrified. Mm-hmm. Poor buddy. The bean says that the cybernetic implant he's wearing could be causing his condition, and she discovers that he's mumbling about imperial secrets. Upset, Ezra heads downstairs into the apartment's hiding space where his parents used to do anti-imperial broadcasts. And Zebo says that today is Ezra's 15th birthday. That's really yeah. some birthday present, guys, to be born yeah. on Empire Day. Yeah. Kanan okay. decides that they have to escape with Zebo and take him to the Rebellion, which is a little strange because at this point they don't actually, there is no full-on Rebellion yet. Right. But he is willing to recognize the value of that intel. Callus and the Grand Inquisitor pursue the crew as Hera extracts them. As they're attempting to jump to light speed, Sibo tells Ezra he knows what actually happened to his parents. A cliffhanger. The next episode, Gathering Forces, starts right after where Empire Day left off. Sibo begs Ezra to forgive him, not answering whether Ezra's parents are still alive. Angry, Ezra says that he will never forgive him. Sibo then sets their hyperspace coordinates so they can get away from the Inquisitor, but the ghost was tagged with a tracker. Bum, bum, bum. Kanan decides that he and Ezra need to leave the ghost in the Phantom and lead the Inquisitor away. Kanan takes them to Anaxes, the asteroid with the fear not creatures, because he has a plan. Kanan tasks Ezra with making a connection with the Fearnox to let go of his fear. Ezra shouts that he forgives Sibo and connects with all of the creatures. Such a great moment. Mm-hmm. When the Inquisitor lands, Kanan and Ezra ambush him and the stormtroopers with the Fearnox. But the creatures can't stop the dark side user, and the Inquisitor duels with Kanan, who isn't strong enough to defeat him. When the Inquisitor mocks Ezra, Ezra taps into the dark side and summons the Fearnock Queen. There's a big Fearnock. (laughs) Using the dark side makes Ezra pass out and Kanan grabs him so that they can escape. Hera brings Sibo to the fulcrum and he tells her what happened to Ezra's parents. Kanan and Ezra return to the ghost and Kanan explains to Ezra about the dangerous pool of the dark side. Sabine gives Ezra a hollow disc that she repaired, and it's a hollow of him and his parents from when he was young. <clears throat> so beautiful. That moment. Mm. It's so sweet. Poor little Ezra. He's just a baby still. Our last episode for today is Path of the Jedi. Concerned about Ezra's brush with the dark side, Kanan and Ezra travel to the hidden Jedi temple on Lothal. He tells Ezra that the temple will test whether he can become a Jedi and that he must do it alone. The temple requires two Jedi, however, a master and apprentice to open the doorway, but Kanan lets Ezra head off on his own once they're inside. Ezra faces his greatest fears in the temple through force visions, that Kanan will die and that he won't be able to help him, that the ghost crew don't really care about him and are using him. That part really made me feel some things like mm, really brilliantly scripted too, because they start off with Zeb, who you might actually buy it from. Yeah. Right. And, and then, then they, they move to Hera and Sabine and you're like, okay, no, there's no yeah, way this, this isn't is real. real. <laughs> this is not real. <laughs> and then his last and greatest fear of being abandoned. The Force Vision Inquisitor asks whether Ezra fears death, but he doesn't. His greatest fear is being alone. Mine too, buddy. Totally relatable. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is a really difficult fear that everybody has to deal with, but poor Ezra being abandoned. Well, not really abandoned, but left alone at seven. Of course, it's going to be really strong with him. But then he's also able to get up and be like, like, I've done this before. before. Yeah, I lived on my own since I was seven on these mean streets of Lothal. (laughs) He can do it. And doing that, he defeats his fears and the visions. And then Ezra hears a, a familiar voice. Well, to us, it's a familiar voice. Master Yoda. Yoda guides Ezra to his next challenge because of course there's even more challenges <laughs> for poor Ezra. He asks, why does Ezra want to become a Jedi? At first, Ezra says it's because Kanan believes in him, but then he starts to elaborate that he needs to become stronger so that he can make the empire suffer and pay Uh-oh. for what it's done to people. Mm, red lights. <laughs> Yoda's like, hold back a little bit there. He coaxes Ezra into the actual reason that he's striving to become a Jedi, to help people and to protect not only himself and his friends, but everyone. Like, Which ding, sounds ding, a little ding, Anakin. Ding. <laughs> yeah, that's a little Anakin there. At first, yes. And then yeah. he says everyone. And Yoda's like, oh, thank God. We're not going to have to deal with that again. Little bit of a uh, little bit of a hero complex maybe going on there. Yes. Like Harry Potter saving people. <laughs> They've all got it. A hero just moves his feet. He doesn't really realize why he's doing it. When Ezra says this, though, the hall kind of disappears, and Ezra stands in a field of endless stars. A small blue light descends and lands in his hand, a kyber crystal. (laughs) Great moment there when Kanan tells him what it is, and he's like, oh, so cool. What is it? (laughs) Right? It's like, yeah, it's good. It took me forever on Ilum to find mine. <laughs> Probably. It takes all the kiddos forever to find theirs. Interestingly enough, I love this part. Kanan is also guided by Yoda in the temple. And he knows who Yoda is, so he recognizes the voice right away. Kanan admits that he's doubtful about his teaching abilities. He vows not to let Ezra lose his way, however, like he once did. And then finally, back on the ghost, the crew wait to see Ezra's first lightsaber, which is unique to any design Kanan has ever seen before. Or we have ever seen. Or anyone. Yeah, this thing is, we'll talk about this later, but (laughs) it is unique. And then he ignites the saber for the first time and finally enters the next stage of his training. Beautiful. Well, with that wrapped up summary, let's move on to the second holocron, The Will of the Force. For this holocron, we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episode. And the theme of the episodes today is being a worthy hero. Is Ezra becoming a worthy hero? What do you guys think? Anders, you want to go first? I think he's he's getting there. He's getting there. And I think I really love the way Yoda guided him to that everyone moment basically just by continuing to ask questions. Yoda's just sitting there being like, really? Really? Interesting. Really? (laughs) Peel back the onion. (laughs) Keep going, keep going. Let him talk it out. Let him work it through. Mm -hmm. And coming to that realization that that is ultimately what he wants. That it, like he says, it's what makes him feel alive. Being connected to all these people, helping people is what makes him feel alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, he hears his parents' voice too telling him to do the right thing. I think his parents would be so proud, if not a bit worried, since they used to speak out against the empire. I think that they'd be very proud of who their son is becoming. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, we have to stand up because there are some people who can't. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that is so deeply ingrained in him by his parents, which he had tried to ignore it for eight years. <laughs> like, eh, that got them into trouble and arrested and I'm alone. So let's not do that. But yeah, this, his entire journey through the temple is so cool. Like this is a little mini hero's journey moment, the belly of the beast section of a hero's journey. And he emerges from the other side with a kyber crystal. Like he could have just been fine and like passed all of his trials, but getting the crystal is so huge. And he's older than most Jedi would be when they get their crystal. So what do we think about Ezra's trial with the big mama Fearnock? Um, We can see how Ezra, despite growing into a hero, he may be susceptible to the dark side. And I know Kanan didn't like the big mama fear knock, but isn't that distraction precisely how and why they were able to escape? That's a yes and a no, I think. Yes, but he more is just concerned with how Ezra did it. In tapping into the dark side, he didn't just form a connection with her. He didn't just use that ability. He was controlling her. He was forcing her. And he was also letting his anger and his fear control him while he was doing it. So that kind of aggressive bit is, I think, where Kanan takes issue. If he had been able to do it the way that they were connected with the other fear knocks, not a problem. Right. That moment was really cool, too, when he started just levitating all of the stones around. Mm Because Ray does that, too, when she's with Luke and she starts to accidentally levitate the stones and it's like oh crap (laughs) this is is not what we signed up for and Kanan in that moment just has to be like panic immediate panic like he knows what's happening he can feel it happening like it's not gonna be good and then when he collapses and he's like what happened I'm so cold he's like oh little precious bean poor bean yeah the look on his face though the look on Ezra's face when he sends the queen is oh it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah. to watch yeah the inquisitor's afraid too when he notices what Ezra doing he's like ah oh, crap the inquisitor's always afraid <laughs> now That's now because fair. Ezra was able to top tap into the dark side does that prevent him from becoming a hero I would say no I think every hero has to brush the dark side in order to better themselves like Harry Harry Potter has the same issues he uses an unforgivable curse and yet he's yep. still a hero. It, it's, it's very difficult. I think that a hero who doesn't touch the darkness is boring. Yeah. Not, not yeah. relatable in any way whatsoever. Well, so you know who that. didn't use the dark side and who else I consider to be a hero? Isn't Sibo worthy of being called a hero? This guy allows himself to be implanted and takes all of the Empire's secrets. So I think Zebo deserves the award of being a hero in these episodes. What do you guys think? I think so. In his own way, he is doing what he could, which is this is not the first time we've seen someone on their own doing what they could. We saw that with, shoot. I want to say it was, I keep wanting to say it was uh, J. Kel, but it's not. It's Zare in our last batch of episodes, kind of doing what they can to undermine the Empire. And the Empire's biggest fear is that all of these people will somehow find each other. Right. And realize that there are so much, so many more of them, which is why 
they probably cracked down hard on Ezra's parents because broadcasting the way they did helps people realize that they're not alone. For sure. I think Zebo is definitely a hero. He started out in kind of more of a selfish reason for doing this. Like he only wanted to get information about Ezra's parents. Like that was his goal. But then when he did download all this information, he's like, well, I can use this and help more people. That's yep. another, like you, you start out doing something that's only for you or maybe one other person. And then you realize like, oh, I can actually be useful to society at large with yep. this. I think yes very I think good. he is a hero very good well Anders do you want to move on to our series theme yes part of our ongoing series theme this idea of the family you choose and part of that is in fact Kanan's choice to be a teacher and Ezra's choice to be his student which was just adorable when Ezra is talking to Yoda he's like no Kanan's a great master he's my he master <laughs> And I think it's great that Kanan is willing to be Ezra's teacher, despite the fact that Ezra's capabilities are surpassing Kanan's kind of comfort level. And we're going to constantly see, and we've constantly seen kind of Kanan questioning himself and his own capabilities, but relentlessly returning to teach Ezra what he can, when he can. I love it. I love that. And on a, a serious and then a slightly comedic note, actually with that, um, one of the things about being a teacher is that you are constantly still learning. A teacher is always growing. They are always trying to better themselves, to be better for their students. Um, put somewhat hilariously by, I think it was Marge Simpson on an old episode of The Simpsons. She needed to make some extra money and said she would teach piano. And they're like, you don't play piano. And she just says, I just got to stay one lesson ahead of the kid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's so true. And then when they grow past you, you give them to a teacher who's at their level. Exactly. Although Kanan doesn't have much of a choice here because he's it. Like there's right. nobody around. He thinks Yoda's around somewhere, but how is he going to find Yoda? Like, hmm. I mean, at this point, does he know that Yoda's actually he, physically alive or does he think he, he's just he, connecting yeah. through the force in some way? It's, I, don't, I don't think he would know much about force ghosts. So you would think that he's like, well, Yoda's out there somewhere. He just doesn't want to be found. Hmm. And really, they don't have time or resources to go find him either. Yeah. If Yoda doesn't want to be found. He's not going to be found. I do want to. I do want to give Kanan one knock, though. I'm sorry. So we said in a previous episode how Kanan kind of repeated that um, "do or do not, there is no try." And then later on in the episode, he did come back and he actually had some understanding of it. Well, he does do another one of those, just like parroting what his teacher goes told him without actually knowing what it means. Right. As <laughs> was going into the temple, Kate is like, you're looking for nothing and everything. And Ezra's like, that doesn't make sense. What does that goes, mean? I don't know. My teacher used to say it a lot though, so. <laughs> I love that part too. And then it, he does come out moment. when he comes out, he said, what did you find? Nothing and everything. Like. <laughs> F you can't for not telling me what was going to be in there. He does admit that he's like, everything was different for me. So he really doesn't know what's going to happen. But, but then say that. Yeah, that's true. He could have been a lot more open about that. I think he'll learn along the way that he needs to do that. Um, I do also like that Yoda teaches both Ezra and Kanan in this episode. Like he could, he didn't have to talk to Kanan. He really didn't have true. to talk to Ezra either, but 
Ezra is the one who's being tested, supposedly, so he could have only focused on Ezra. But instead, he also pivots and it's like, sup, Kanan? <laughs> How you doing? Like, what's going on? And he Kanan says- Kanan deserves and, some TLC teaching he too. He really does. He did. And I think Yoda knew that and noticed it. He's like, you feel different. Like something's different. And Kanan says, yes, I've decided to take on an apprentice. And Yoda's like, you ready for that, bro? Because <laughs> I, mm. and he also tells Kanan this is his last chance. So that- that part, I'm kind of like, Yoda, let's lay it off a little bit. Can't spit alone. Got to apply that pressure. 66. That's true. You know, say um, you're, maybe your final chance to redeem yourself. And I think this is more like Kanan's kind of thoughts that Yoda is just pushing back on him. Be like, is this your last chance? Like, maybe, but you're also learning too. So let's, let's give you two some room to grow, <laughs> which is nice. Yoda was a much better teacher in this episode than we've seen him be in quite some time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of strange that he teaches Luke after this. Mm-hmm. Well, he's frustrated with Luke. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? You didn't send me Leia? This is some BS. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to train Leia. Because he <laughs> says that in one of the short stories from, from a certain point of view. He's like, really? That one? I was supposed to get Leia. <laughs> yes. Well, Probably. getting a little bit more into Yoda, let's move into our next holocron. Mm-hmm. Our third holocron is the galaxy's populace. This is where we're going to be exploring the characters and the relationships that are really featured in today's episode. So, Colleen, mm-hmm. start us off with that little green guy. Ooh, this was wild when I first saw this episode and I heard Frank Oz's voice. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Like, I knew Yoda was alive at this time. He's chilling on Dagobah, just doing his own stuff. But hearing his voice here in the temple was so cool. And I really wanted to see him. I wanted to see him manifest in front of either Kanan or Ezra. But he's just the little glowy firefly lights, which was fine. I'm like, okay, maybe we'll get more Yoda later. But it's it's good to do these kind of things to pull viewers in and be like, oh, Okay, so mm-hmm. then they think about timeline, like where is Yoda? Where are all these other people that's going on right now? And he's basically the only one left to teach anyone at this point. Obi-Wan's in hiding. He's not going anywhere. So Yoda's the only one who could reach out. This is kind of like, Sarah, remember when we well, talked about uh... in Mando about the low jacking and trying to find people through the forest with Groku? Like this yes. reminded me of that. Like suddenly Yoda's like getting a voicemail. <laughs> Let's Someone's see if uh, Obi-Wan's going to go anywhere after that Kenobi series comes out on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm very ready for that. So is Flo. <laughs> We're all ready for the Kenobi series to come out with Ewan McGregor and Peyton Christensen. Yes, please. So yeah, it was it was good to see Yoda. Sarah, how about our next baby? Yeah, Tsebo. His relationship with Ezra is pretty darn fraught. It sounds like... Zebo was supposed to almost adopt Ezra or take care of Ezra, and that just didn't happen. So Ezra was kind of abandoned by Zebo, and and ultimately it's pretty miraculous and wonderful that Ezra was able to forgive Zebo for that failure. What do you guys think? Yeah, that and to expect a teenager to forgive someone is asking an awful lot especially when he was left alone at seven years old hi dunk low cat sighting real low cat sighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, wild that he did yeah mm-hmm. 
And it sounds like also that Sibo knew something or could have done something. Sibo at least thinks he could have done something more to help Ezra's parents. Right. But he he was, in his mind, a coward in some way. We don't know exactly how that went down, right. what fully happened, but he does feel guilty through everything. And so now he is doing what he can to try and make that up in their... I mean, I want to say their memory, but we honestly don't know at this point. Right, they're we still don't even know. Parents, we're hint there are hints here that Ezra's parents are in fact alive. Mm -hmm. But speaking of Ezra's parents, we do get a little bit more backstory on them. Ephraim and Mira Bridger. They used to broadcast against the Empire when Ezra was a kid. They had a secret room in their basement where they would do these radio broadcasts, kind of like the ones we're seeing now. We have all of the uh, the Gal Travis broadcasts going out across the hollow net. And they have in some way paid the price for that. They were taken and Ezra was left abandoned. So yeah. in their attempts to stand up for what's right, they left their son. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, left might be a harsh word. Yeah. Right. Their son was left behind. Yes. I will say. Gone. And they were willing to accept that consequence, which I think is hard for Ezra also mm -hmm. to think that they thought that standing up against the Empire was more important than him. Right. Which is right. so, it reminded me a little bit of Jin Urso and her parents. How Absolutely. They yes. escaped the Empire and were alone, but still were part of subversion. I mean, they were friends with Saw Gerrera, so they had to have been <laughs> doing something, but yeah. still she felt left alone. Yeah. they were taken from her. And that dynamic also just gives us a lot more insight into Ezra. I mean, he has serious abandonment concerns in almost every episode he's he's feeling in some way like people are about to leave him behind. He thought Kanan was trying to dump him off on Luminara. Right. Which would and, have been awful. <laughs> which would have been bad. Sorry, Luminara dead. heads out there, but no, she, she would not have been a good teacher for Ezra. <laughs> And even in these episodes, I mean, he's he's afraid of being alone. And that's the main fear that he's willing to face up to and own. Because mm -hmm. he does retreat. He's definitely a retreater. Like he goes back to his tower or he goes down into the basement of the apartment. Like he, his initial response is to draw back, even though he he's doesn't little, want to be alone. He's a little loth rat. He wants to go back to his nest, his safe yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he is now he is officially starting to become that loth cat. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yes. For more on that, <laughs> go listen to our extensive Ezra Bridger pods. <laughs> and next we have our another relationship that we kind of wanted to look at a little bit for this episode between Sabine and Ezra. Uh, up until this point, Sabine has basically ignored him or just kind of accepted him as this really annoying little brother that just happens to tag on on missions and is useful like he he does great things for the team but it wasn't really more than like a teammate kind of thing and mm -hmm. in these episodes we get her not only fixing the holodisc for him which was adorable because she's sitting there going it's Ezra's birthday like she's the one who has this thought like oh my god what right. a horrible day for him <laughs> to have his birthday so she does that. She goads him kind of to talk to Zebo, 
which is not her MO either. She's not one to tell people what to do about their relationships, but this one, she's like, no, this is important. Like you need to know what happened to your family. And then in the next episode, <laughs> poor Ezra is late for his Jedi training <laughs> because he was off training with Sabine. So it's like Sabine has opened up herself enough to be like, yes, you can come hang out with me and we can train together. Yep. Like their relationship is growing. They're starting to trust each other more. That was such a great like little moment too, especially with all of Ezra's like clumsy flirting. It's the idea that they were off together. You're setting the stage that maybe there's a romantic plot there. Maybe there's not. It could be any one of these things. And speaking of which, like how devastating when he was in episode 10 in, in the cave trying to listen to Sabine and she just says, I really pity the kid. Like nothing mm -hmm. is worse than having your crush <laughs> say that they pity you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But fortunately, that wasn't real. No, thank right. God. Even though she is the one that calls out for him too when the fake inquisitor is like fake murdering them. She's like, yep. I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> Stupid we, also get, we also get a nice little mirror, almost a mirror in this episode because the Fearnox, again, we were introduced to those with the Hera Sabine dynamic and how they were able to handle those. And now we get Ezra and Kanan dealing with the same. Yep. Yep. Now we just need to watch Chopper and Zeb deal with them. <laughs> Chopper. Lord would chop them up. He would absolutely like somehow have his little arms would come out and they would have like buzz saws or something and he would just yeah. be spinning. And, he... and Zeb would be like, well, that was interesting. Can we yeah. leave now? I am now terrified. Well, I think that's a good place for us to move on to our fourth holocron, Binding the Galaxy Together, where we explore homages and Easter eggs of today's episodes. Colleen, you want to kick us off? Heck yes. We got a lot today, you guys. So much in these episodes. First, Empire Day itself, celebrating when the great Emperor Palpatine ended the Clone Wars by himself and founded our glorious empire. Mm. <laughs> the same day that Ezra was born is Empire Day. And then two days later, Luke and Leia are born. This is when Palpatine morphed from simple Republic Chancellor, very, very just like, I'm, I love democracy, into the emperor of the entire galaxy. Mm. Safe and it's secure. Safe and secure, yes, our empire. No one can touch us. <laughs> it's an enforced mandatory quote unquote holiday <laughs> throughout the empire. It's like a bank holiday, guys. No one has to go to school. We see the celebrations in the novel Thrawn, where Empire Day is the culmination of Ascension Week on Coruscant. Also another really creepy way to talk about it, Ascension Week. Yes. <laughs> Palpatine was trying to corrupt Anakin and take over the Senate all during this one week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and part of that is the Imperial Hollow News and the Imperial Press Corps, Alton Castle Network. This propaganda network is seen throughout the Empire. We've seen our characters listening in on broadcasts several times at this point. And we see that on Empire Day, at least on Empire Day, possibly throughout the year, it is mandatory to have this on in places like Cantina's uh, castle is the network's main anchor celebrity. This is also an idea that the First Order will also um, later implement. We see this a little bit in Star Wars Resistance, mm -hmm. where the people on that particular ship are willing to just look at the First Order troopers and be like, nah, bro, 
Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, switching things up, loth cats, loth kitties. It's our first loth cat sighting in the series, and these guys are native to Lothal, obviously. But you can f- find cats like this, also called tuka cats, across the galaxy. Now, they can be tamed, but Ezra is sparring with a wild one who really isn't ready to play nice. No. For Kanan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for Kanan, totally. He's like, oh, hey. So, <laughs> you can totally be my master. <laughs> I love the little cats. They're so precious. I mean, obviously, I've got my bag there. <laughs> Next up, we have our mention of Governor Price by name. Minister Tua mentions that Governor Price is celebrating on Coruscant with the Emperor. Fancy. Mm. That's very unlikely, however, since she doesn't go out much. But she's probably rubbing shoulders with people like Grand Moff Tarkin and the other very high up Imperial governors. Like, she's high up, y'all. She's got things to do. Mm-hmm. She hasn't appeared yet in the show, but her backstory is explored in the canon Thrawn novels. Mm. She's, mm, we'll talk about her a lot later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have the TIE Advanced V1 ship. This model is being manufactured on Lothal and is more maneuverable and much faster than the basic TIE fighter. Lothal is actually being prepped to be a major manufacturing center for the Outer Rim. This is one of the reasons why Governor Price is rising higher and higher within the Imperial Orders. Yeah, it's not quite Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. That's a little bit more custom, but it does have the curved wings and they fold as they go up and down. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Rodians. So the very Rodians. first one of these guys we ever saw in Star Wars got himself shot first by Han Solo. Yes, the quite frankly adorable Zebo is in fact the same species as that master of McClunky, Greedo. <laughs> <laughs> Rodians get such a bad shake in a lot of canon and legends. <laughs> like they're always either bad guys or bounty hunters it- or incompetent. And it's like, is this just because they live in hot space? Like what's going on? Like, what- Probably. Let's leave the Rodians alone. <laughs> <Can> <laughs> But we get Zebo here, and he's amazing. And we get another Rodian in Resistance that's also really fun. Oh, Next, yes. Mm-hmm, who is Donald Faison is his voice. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, he is. Um, next, we have a clone trooper helmet. Oh, I was so excited to see this. Behind the bar on Lothal, there is a clone helmet as a decoration, a small visual callback to the Clone Wars, and interesting given Ezra's habit for collecting helmets. Maybe he picked that up from the bartender. Maybe yep. Joe is a wise bartender. I think Joe is a wise bartender. He's just not talking. <laughs> Speaking of helmets, the cybernetic implants we see. We see these first on Lobot, Lando's right-hand man in Empire Strikes Back, although he seems to have a bigger grip on his sanity than Sibo does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he wasn't collating quite as much data as Sibo was. He was, you know, in charge of Cloud City, whereas Sibo was downloading stuff for the entire Imperial fleet. <laughs> yeah, that was insane how much was in his head. Yeah, Lobot is kind of like on the Android side at this point. He had more free will before he kind of switched on to get more data. So it's he's in between, I think. He's definitely got a much better grip on things than poor Sibo. <laughs> yeah, poor Sibo. This next one, so this one, I I will admit I laughed a little bit at, despite the fact that Ezra was in like serious peril 
he's so going bad. through and Ezra's doing that. I'm over the force. I'm over the force. Trying to like talk himself up, refrain. And I forget if this episode actually came before or after. I'm pretty sure this one came before. But Chirrut in Rogue One on Scarif, when he goes out and he's doing that refrain, I am one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me over and over again. He's definitely a lot more confident than Ezra is in this moment. Yeah. But that is- Feels feels things about this phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Emotional manipulation. Yes. (laughs) Here, not so much though. I I found it a lot more believable with Ezra saying it. And then next, speaking of which, Ezra's whole excursion in the temple is an extended version of Luke's experience in the tree on Dagobah for flipping sure. Yeah. Do we think that that, I mean, obviously this is, this is a show, not like, not a movie where you have to fit this into one scene, but it's like, are Luke's spheres just like a little bit more apparent? (laughs) And that's why Vader just like shows up right away and he's done in like five minutes. I I don't know. It's hard because the tree on Dagobah is a dark side nexus, so it probably pinpoints much faster. Mm. And I mean, I don't know if that's exactly true, Anders, because in a way, the Lethal cave really punches Ezra in the gut, first and foremost, with the very first thing the Canaan apparition says is like, good thing that I'm here anyway. I immediately changed my mind. I couldn't trust you. And what is Ezra's fear? but not being worthy of his master and not being able to master his own fears. So, so I think the comparison between the two is very, very fair and wallops Ezra from the very first thing Canaan says. Yeah, we do get his low threat, low cat, low wolf run poem too. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Yeah. Love that part. Um, Next we have Ezra standing up, eyes closed, facing death and the Inquisitor's red lightsaber. Very Obi-Wan in A New Hope, just kind of accepting what will come next. That was a good call. Whoever whoever said this part, that, that was a really good call. Yep. Just kind of accepting what will happen and hoping that you're going to be strong enough to get through it. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. very sweet. Next up is a wonderful connection to the Mandalorian. That circle that Ezra is standing on when he receives his kyber crystal looks a lot like the carvings on the stone circle at Typhon. And we'll be talking about this more later when it may or may not come up again. Maybe, maybe not. Although if you didn't notice those carvings on Typhon, we forgive you because you were probably distracted by Boba Fett kicking ass. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's very fair. And same here. I mean, all the ancient writing and stuff, you, you're just like, oh, yeah, it's just part of the temple. But then mm-hmm. when you are like, oh, this is on Tython, too. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on with the ancient writings and stuff. Then next up, we've got on the Phantom has one of Sabine's masterpieces on the side, which is a Sando Aqua Monster. Mm-hmm. If something stays still for too long, Sabine will paint it. <laughs> this is definitely true. I did that love that true. part. It was like, oh, look, there's a monster on the phantom. <laughs> I gotta go back and look at it. I don't think I noticed that one. Mm-hmm. I looked that one up because I thought it looked like a rancor a little bit, but not quite. Its jaw was out a little bit too much. So I looked it up and it says the Sandoaqua monster from Naboo. So I'm like, all right. 
Oh, it's that guy. Oh, okay. If says, then I believe it. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Got it. Yes, it is Nebuchadnezzar on this tiny little phantom, <laughs> which is perfect. Like, it's a small ship, but it packs a big punch. Yep. And then this one, I laughed so hard, you guys. Since we've been going on <laughs> with our, our pods, we've been comparing Ezra to Aladdin quite often. Kanan actually says this line to Ezra in the episodes. He can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the genie says to Aladdin in the Disney animated movie. And I think since the last time we brought this up, Mina Masood has been hinting more on uh, on his social media pages. Don't he know if that's actually process. a thing or if he's just trying to will that into existence. But Don't be trolling us like Raul did, please. I can't, my heart can't take it anymore. <laughs> I need the news. <laughs> Everybody, we are switching things up a little bit this week. We're introducing our newbie from Naboo a little bit earlier. Woo, this is the I got promoted. Now. <laughs> yep, she done got promoted. Up a holocron she goes. <laughs> so this is our newbie from Naboo, Flo Siegel. It's her first time watching Rebels. So we've tasked her with watching the episodes and giving us her questions and her takes. And she took a lot of notes this week, y'all. Yeah, I did. We're very proud. <laughs> Let's find out what our ambassador for Naboo thought about today's episodes. All right. So lots to say. And plus, you know, I got promoted. So you get to hear me more. Woohoo! Lucky <laughs> all of you. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> okay. So episode eight, I really, really love this episode. Um, when the TIE fighter pilots came into the like cantina area, first of all, like we love a cantina, right? Cantina. Absolutely. Always. And and then I was like immediately transported to the Capitol in the Hunger Games where they have like mandated TV and it's like, mm-hmm. enjoy the games, enjoy your Empire Day. And then like mm-hmm. it gets hijacked just like it does in Mockingjay. It was just like great. Loved all that. Very into like dystopian YA literature. <laughs> Absolutely. She was about to say fanfic. I was about to say fanfic. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's actually a real book. It's like, um, then my next note is uh, Disney always great with the parades. The upbeat Empire March sounds amazing for that parade. So, so good. Everything should be done like that. Um, Kanan pretending to be this like drunk, patriotic, like dumbass. Perfect. Person. I don't even know what he was this doing. This may have been there, my favorite was... moment from all three of these. I just love it fake was drunk Kanan. So hilarious and then Ezra being like dad stop it you're embarrassing me (laughs) amazing acting from everyone all around um at the end of that episode his force jump back into the ghost was like holy crap (laughs) he like floated there I'm just saying Kanan how are you not signed with a team like that was amazing Um, but most importantly in this episode, happy, happy, happy birthday, Ezra. This was not a birthday party. I want to be clear. I expect a birthday party one day for Ezra. Yeah, no one celebrated poor Ezra's birthday. I know. I mean, there was a parade and there were fireworks. So, I mean, there was that, but it wasn't for, for our dear Ezra. Okay, episode nine. This episode felt very games, ga- games, Game of Thrones. <laughs> with the idea that everyone is afraid, but admitting it makes you braver. So the quote from Game of Thrones is, 
I think it's Bran, right? Bran asks yeah, Ned. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Bran asks Ned, can a man still be brave if he's afraid? And Ned tells him that is the only time a man can be brave. And I always love that quote. Mm-hmm. I like that quote too. And I love a lot of the, they get into a lot of the nuances around this conversation about fear in these episodes. Um, you know, we've always heard fear is the path to the dark side, but right. that's it. That's all we, that's all we ever hear. But Kanan gets more into that explanation a little bit closer to it's giving into your fear it's letting your fear control you that is what will get you to the dark side overcoming it and pushing forward despite your fear is what you get into the light and Flo, you just said echoed all throughout fantasy stories song of ice and fire harry potter yeah specifically also in these episodes we get the idea the specific fear is you can be afraid of things but fearing or not fearing death is a very distinct dark side light side kind of barrier right yeah so true for sure and i mean we see so much of that in my boo anakin (laughs) (laughs) um okay i was actually really excited to get to see the weird animal things again because we had just seen them and i was like i know these guys that made me feel really good um i am titling these things creepy nightmare cats i know they have an actual name but this <laughs> aka is fear knocks yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go with creepy good nightmare job pronouncing cats. that sarah <laughs> i like creepy nightmare cats <laughs> that's exactly what they are though they kind of look like that's pokemon true. to me too but anyways mm-hmm. um my next note inquisitor you need to call 1-800-DENTIST yeah the teeth <laughs> are so bad like yeah, they're they bad. are they teeth. are so bad like they're what not is bad that? they're just sharp yeah, actually got the the filed down looking to you they're piranha so really you've got like that them. you're you're putting this in here now it's just making me think of the movie Coneheads, where he goes oh, yes. to the dentist to get his to get his things like capped <laughs> the, these teeth are like the worst i've ever seen it's like between the teeth and the eyebrows and the weird facial hair like there's just a, there's a lot going on with everybody in this show um, the Big Daddy Nightmare Cat was very scary. Their like mom. when it came out of its hole. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> the big adult big. parent nightmare cat was very mm-hmm. scary. But right after that, when Ezra is like depleted from his use of the force, Kanan cradling him was like the sweetest thing I've ever seen. So precious. Oh my god, it was yeah. so so good. Kanan's a thank God. <laughs> yes uh we don't have that many huggers besides like maybe jar 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 is a hugger <laughs> jar jar is definitely a hugger he's definitely a hugger um okay so my next note is kind of important when kanan apologized to ezra which was like so so sweet he's like i failed you like i didn't teach you enough before this i was just thinking like we haven't seen many apologies in Star Wars. And I was just thinking like, how different would Star Wars be if Obi-Wan had just like apologized to Anakin? If he had been like, you know what? Like I should have taken your nightmares more seriously and we should have gone to save your mom. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, like I failed you. Or like Yoda, what if Yoda had been like, you know what? I done messed up. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I mean, Obi-Wan does admit to failing Anakin at some yeah, he point as, he, as he's like leaving him to die on the side of a lava river. Also, just not, he's, he failed him in every way you just said, also not teaching him the mechanics of rivers and hillsides, but you know. There were so many failures. <laughs> Obi-Wan, not, not great a teacher, frankly. And I just mm-hmm. feel like of anybody, like Qui-Gon would have probably been 
a good guy to be like apologizing and it's sad yeah. that like he didn't teach obi that yeah like i just feel like do better yeah Anyways. i think he did apologize to obi-wan and master and apprentice too so it's not like so it's not like that's never happened it's not right. like obi-wan's never yeah. heard an apology before right <laughs> they were all just like yelled in people's faces it's a lot of like duty 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 with the jedi like when they yeah. send obi on his mission after he fakes his death in the clone wars there's no like real apologizing it's more like no this is kind of like you have to do like we're, we're sorry that you have to do it and you have to trick anakin but you have to do it and there's no like real apology about yeah. it yeah i feel like the jedi are big on like mm, sorry it's not like this is your job though <laughs> it just sucks mm-hmm. um and then finally sabine pulling out the best birthday gift ever for ezra in the form of this like picture that i guess she saved from his like house bunker area even though that picture looked a lot like fan art i was like what google account did they pull this from <laughs> it looks so good and cute oh so cute it's pure so also okay. ezra's dad hot <laughs> I mean, he looks like Poe Dameron. Like, oh my god, I Some saw good, good time. I was like, "What's up, Ezra's dad?" <laughs> Dang, <laughs> cute family for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last episode for this batch, episode ten, super cool. This yes. was like wild. <laughs> Love the temple on Lothal. That was very, very cool. The creepiest part was definitely the skeletons of the dead masters whose padawans never returned. Just like that's just sad. <laughs> It's like that sucks. And I got a question just, for like, you guys sexy. about those. Do we okay. do we think those were real? Yes. Like were those actually there or were they illusions? Because yeah. like those masters actually just they just like sat there and yeah. were like, yeah, whatever, I'll die. Because they failed. They failed their I mean, family. you would think that just like naturally they'd be closer to the door. Like, really? I can't <laughs> get out? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I akin it to like yogi masters who pass away in death. Sometimes that happens when yeah, you they might have been in right meditation maybe sarah do you think yep exactly exactly yeah if if you're stuck and it's futile i think they would have performed a kind of yogi meditation to pass so i think that they're real i think they would have found a way out they could have probably but they wouldn't have maybe this probably was back in a time where there were more masters too like I just feel like at some point, like self-preservation would take over and you'd just be yeah, like, I'm, I'm angry now, actually. You like locked me in here. Yeah, so. that little shit didn't come back out of the temple. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you one job. It didn't 100%. come back. Well, I, you know, to the illusion part, I'm, I'm not sure. I like the idea that Ezra's concentration was broken immediately upon seeing them. So it is kind of like a first test. So... I'm kind of open. I, I think whatever your head canon wants it to be, that's what it is. There's no surprise that these masters died because these were super tough trials for the battle ones. Like they did not go yes. easy on them. I was yeah. both reminded of Dementors and Harry Potter when it was just like, here's your worst fear, go face it. Which like, obviously we had seen with like Luke on Dagobah and stuff, but also like, I don't know if you guys have read Divergent or the Divergent series. It's okay. been a while, but yes. So like, I really, really like those. But there's a scene where Triss, the main character, has to go through similar trials to like be admitted into Dauntless or whatever. And she gets put under with a serum, similarly to how Ezra goes through the gate and is like in this weird state. 
And she gets out of it by saying this isn't real, kind of like Ezra did. And so immediately I was like, whoa, right. cool parallels. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes the Jedi have it easy, though. Like, it's always an illusion, right? Like, as long as you remember that it's illusion, then you're fine. Yeah. But but did Ezra know that? No, not yet. Okay, right. So, yeah, I mean. They usually toss them in there without telling them anything. I mean, Yoda certainly did with Luke. So it's just like, yo, walk down this path. So Flo thinks fine. that Flo thinks that instead of using the Force, the, they should just plug the Padawans into the Matrix, where yeah, exactly. where your injuries actually do translate to your actual body. I'm just saying there were no stakes. <laughs> I mean, there there would have been if he hadn't come back out. If those skeletons are real, then there were died. stakes. Right. Well, you know, I mean, stakes for Kanan, maybe. He should have known better than to just go in there with him. Okay, next, the Yoda dust was very weird. Like, I don't know what that was. It was just like glittery Yoda fireflies. Uh, Obviously, like very, very dark side vibes from my friend Ezra. But like, I just don't know what the Jedi are expecting. Like, everybody has anger. Everybody has revenge, like, inside of them sometimes because, like, we're people. Mm -hmm. So... If the Jedi like really wanted these kind of like feelingless things, like mm-hmm. they should have just used clones. Yeah. Or, or droids. Or droids. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like either clone it out of them or use something that doesn't have feelings. Like I understand, like Okay, eugenics to, like... and slaves. Great flow. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, at least Yoda seems to have learned something because he doesn't just tell Ezra, like, hand slap, no, that's bad. He tries to lead him in a different direction, like, oh, well, why do you want revenge then? Is this something your master would want? And Ezra's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Pull that. I thought that was good. I thought yeah. Yoda did some really nice teaching in the cave, to be honest. I More wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Very, I mean, very good. Okay. I just feel like making people feel bad for their like natural emotions that like he's not even acting on. He's just like, yo, I like feel mad. And they're like, no, you, you can't feel that. Sorry. Bye. I mean, it's true. They put them in these like passive aggressive caves and just hope for the best. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like how about you like feel your anger and then you learn how to move past it but they're never mm-hmm. like yeah you know what it's Which okay is what to- ezra does though that is yeah. what ezra here does, does in that moment. here right but that's not what they wanted like that's never what they wanted anakin to do they were never no. like you know what anakin like your mom died and that's really sad right. and like you can feel mad about it and like here's how we're going to teach you how to walk through grief Mm-hmm. and how to walk through anger without murdering an entire village the men the women the children the yeah. dogs too so like <laughs> i just feel like knowing how to feel big feelings is something that i teach my first graders yes. and then moving past them yeah but yeah. they don't do that they're just not very good right I and think then he tries here where he's like okay you're angry how can we use that i just feel like all of the Jedi Masters need to go to some professional development training um, just so that they can like learn how to help people deal with their emotions. I can recommend some great seminars. But most importantly, everybody, we got the staple gun lightsaber yes, <laughs> at the end of this. So good. 
I was like, this is it. This is it. He got his Kyber crystal. We're going to get the staple gun now. And I'm very, very excited to see it. I am known for this take and I stick by it. It looks like a staple gun. So oh, it absolutely sure. looks like a staple gun. Doesn't mean so it's not cool. It it's very cool. cool. Very, very, very cool. And that's it. Those are my takes for this episode. These three. I'm so glad you it was liked great. it. Like, Loved it. <laughs> Delightful. Well, I think now it's time for us to move on to our six holocron conjecture at the cantina, where we ask questions about the episode and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. So, Colleen, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I will. What did Dave Filoni and crew have to say about these episodes? Well, first of all, poor Taylor Gray. <laughs> he mentioned that the writers don't tell him much backstory unless it's absolutely necessary. So he's just in the dark as us fans. That's so cool. But also, the creators are also a little in the dark. Filoni told Rebels Recon host Andy Gutierrez that they kind of come up with the basic idea for everybody's backstory. But as the character evolves, those things can change and grow along with the character. So they don't want to say too much right away, which makes sense if they told an actor like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened, and then they ditch that idea to go with a different one. It kind of creates this weird paradox of the actor being like, well, weren't I supposed to do this and this and this? So it's a good idea not to share too much when your story sure. is still moving forward. Another thing that I thought this was really fun, old Joe, he's the Ithorian cantina owner with the kind of, um, Ithorians can't speak basic, so he's got the little speech thing that helps that him speak cool. basic. I love that part. He was supposed to go on the journey to the temple with oh, Ezra really? and Kenan, because he knows a lot of lore, apparently. They don't really touch on that as much in this episode. He's just sitting there back talking to the Empire, which is yeah, great. Yeah, he's a sassy that is, thing. That I is like the Joe. one archetype Star Wars doesn't have. We don't have a wise bartender barkeep we don't <laughs> have the barkeep the who knows all the local legends and the angry bartender from uh, a new hope who just hates droids yes <laughs> so instead of having old joe they just were like okay we just need to make this about canaan and ezra which made infinitely more sense streamline yeah, that stuff yeah make it about their relationship and then also this was kind of funny dave filoni he knows that it's a little too neat and tidy to have a jedi temple on lothal where Ezra just happens to live and be from. But the team decided to just go with it and see where the idea took them. Yeah, what is not on Lethal? I tell you what. Yeah, how big is Lethal? It's fairly big. I mean, yeah, it seems huge. It's a mining planet. Like they're mostly into mining. So I had a couple of questions about these episodes for you guys. The Inquisitor says at some point his master will not be pleased. Is that master Vader or Sidious? I think it's Vader because of how we open on episode one with Vader giving instructions. But obviously Sidious is the big bad at the top. So it's kind of like obviously the professional development funnel chain of command kind of thing. But I always took it as Vader. That's funny because I took it as Sidious immediately. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I don't know why. I just feel like I just feel like that's the person who'd be disappointed. <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> Vader... I feel like Vader's more like hands off in a lot of ways <laughs> and like Sidious has his finger like in every pot. I don't know that like Sidious would have put Vader in charge of somebody that powerful. Vader is in charge of him. God but, damn it. <laughs> but Sidious is also kind of in charge of him because he's the one who recruited the Grand Inquisitor. So it's like right. it could be either of them that he's talking about. But Vader is technically his manager. Damn it. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> it's not From your fault, on, and it's not like on the show. Answer first. <laughs> it's 
it's not on the show, so it's not your fault. Like nobody would know it unless they yeah. read the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith comics. Like they wouldn't there. They wouldn't know. There. And then my other question, Flo, I guess this is mainly geared towards you as okay. our resident teacher. What are your like Hi. thoughts and reactions to all of Kanan's like self-doubt as basically a first year teacher? So here's the thing about Kanan, right? He didn't even like make it through being a Padawan, right? No, okay, he did so, not. Right. So to me, and this is gonna ruffle some feathers. <laughs> to me, Kanan is like a Teach for America teacher in mm. which he got mm. like two weeks of training and then they're like, okay, you're a teacher now, go enjoy that. And it's just like, that's not how that works. I feel like if Kanan had like received proper training and like had something to model himself on a little bit more, then he'd be less stressed and less like full of doubt because he'd have like tools and tricks inside of his like toolbox. I think that his reactions are like pretty accurate. Like first year teaching sucks. And you're like, well, you know, you were a teacher. Mm -hmm. So it like, it really sucks. It's just like, you're at school. I didn't make it out of year three though. So. All right. Well, I'm on year 10. I really pushed through there, but it, it is really tough. And it is hard to know if you're doing the right thing sometimes, or if you're failing the kids. And I think Kanan feels like he is failing Ezra in so many ways. And it's like one of those things where when your student is like smarter or better at something than you, then you like feel like you don't even know how to start teaching them because you don't have those tools. And so I think that's where Kanan is and that's pretty accurate. I actually did have a question about Kanan that I didn't put in my things that I want to ask you guys, but yeah, how old was Kanan when Order 66 happened? I think he was 14. Yeah, he was right about the same age Ezra is now. Okay, so where was he? Like, did Anakin try to decimate him in the temple? No, he was not on the temple. He was fighting in the Clone Wars with his teacher, Depa Balaba. All right. I was trying to sacrifice herself so that he could get away. Yeah. He does the um, beautiful. You can kind of tell he didn't get super far in his training just when the Inquisitor makes fun of him for favoring form three. Like they hadn't. To a ridiculous degree. Okay, sure. I just felt like I needed to know how old he was to see how close he was to imminent death in the temple with the younglings. Oh, he was close on the planet he was on with his teacher and the clones because he was with the group of clones. Okay, thank you. That was scary. But yeah, the comic shows it and it's not fun. Well, one of my questions is how usual or unusual is it for Jedi to connect with animals? Because I'm super envious of how Kanan is able to bond with the Loth cat and how Ezra and Kanan are able to encourage the Fearnox to attack the Inquisitor. To, to the same extent, though, and kind of talking about flow with a student who is surpassing the teacher's capabilities, Kanan almost seems a bit surprised at how intense Ezra's control and ability to call the Fearnoxes, especially the queen. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily unusual. I mean, this is obviously something that Kanan is trying to teach Ezra how to do. Ezra's natural affinity for it might be a little bit unusual. It's just one of the many abilities that Jedi do, in Mm -hmm. fact, have they're exploring this actually a little bit more in the uh, High Republic. 
they're oh, taking cool. a lot of these like individual force ability type things mm-hmm. and introducing you to characters who have natural Affinities. things for them. They do that with this kind of like hyperspace navigation, AKA wayfinding, or if you're a chiss skywalking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, the animal thing, it's, it's, you can do it usually, but not the way Ezra does it. He's a lot like right. Jason Solo from Legends who had this just like innate natural ability to connect with animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I then, think it's yeah. kind of like, oh, um, I, I guess it's kind of almost like in the world of Harry Potter, right? Any wizard with their wand can change their appearance, can practice legitimacy, mind reading and whatever. But then there are people who are naturally gifted at that. You've got metamorph magi, you've got kind of natural legilimens or seers. Right, right, things like right. that. I'm just here like, talk Harry Potter to me. <laughs> <laughs> One thing yeah, I did I, notice, though, about that scene, sorry, Flo, I, go, go I know you have a thought on this, but one thing I did notice about that scene this time that I kind of actually did a double take on, when Kanan's teaching Ezra, he actually uses the phrase, form an attachment yes, to the things around you. And I'm like, wait a second, Jedi, Hold attachments? On. What are you doing, sir? <laughs> but that's good. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, oh, man, I struggle so hard with these freaking Jedi and their lack of attachments and feelings. It just makes me go crazy. So here's my thing. Like, first of all, Sarah, Ezra is like kind of like Matilda in a way, isn't he? Yeah. He's just like this like amazing student who's like totally better than the teacher. And now it's like all these crazy powers are coming out. Um, so call back to our BGS Matilda <laughs> days. Hey, yo. <laughs> Check out all of the Matilda pods. <laughs> he is a lot like Matilda, like the voracious learning aptitude. Like he wants to learn yeah. all of this stuff. And just like rough childhood for sure. <laughs> yep. Okay, so here's my question. Yes, Ezra can force control the nightmare cat things and it was very cool, but is it ethical? Because like he basically just like mind controlled them to their deaths. Very true. I th- I think he's different in that he connects with them enough that they choose to connect with him back. Right. It's I different with the queen. It's different with the Fearnox queen. He forces her through the dark side to rise. With the Fearnox, the baby ones, he connects with them so thoroughly that they're they they're. Yeah, Flo. Mesh, he connects basically. so hard to babies that they want to die. <laughs> That's... Yeah, this is kind of a. <laughs> I don't know if you're digging your hole deeper right now. No, I, mean, I would hey, say that babies. They, you know they what choose you should to do? follow him. This is right. like them choosing to follow them. I think they to a degree they choose. To. They also, I mean, they are naturally somewhat aggressive. Like they are going to be attacking, and he basically says, "Hey." We, we don't want to hurt you. They do. Which is I true. just feel I mean, like there's a power dynamic issue that is at play here where like it cannot be fully consensual because Ezra is like way more powerful than these creatures and is like, I mean, he's forcing them. He's like, hey, go attack these people. It's fine. They don't have guns. Everything's fine. Just like go attack them. It's cool. Like, I don't, don't know. We don't know that's what he's telling them now. He mm. could be he could be saying something else. I mean, what do you think he's saying? You think he's like, oh, they've got treats. Go get them. No, <laughs> I think that he's saying they're a threat to all of us because they yeah. would be. I mean, the Fearnox would have attacked those people no matter what, because they're that's what they do. 
right. even Basically. with guns. I mean, they attacked Sabine and Hera with wep- when they had weapons. So it's part of their nature and part of the protective thing that I think happens between but, the bond. It's a, it's a, it's the strange like Ezra's power is different than like Anakin taking over the bull creature from the arena. That was more like forcing the creature yeah, but to that was hot. That was more like forcing <laughs> the animal to basically die for them. It it is a it's yeah, a hard line to walk. It's it's a hard line to walk. We'd have to know exactly what Ezra was saying to them or kind of like communicating to them. Lola hasn't seen like, Ezra's abs yet, so she doesn't ha- so she has different thoughts. Exactly. I just feel like they're sitting like crisscross applesauce in front of these creatures that are just like sitting nicely behind them, like looking hypnotized. They are. And then Ezra and Kane are just like, go. And then they just go. It's just like, I don't know. I don't feel like I think they there, have no, I think they're that there's definitely I think there's definitely an ethical question there. He mm-hmm. what he does for the queen is definitely wrong. Yeah. I think though it's again, I think it's very much like he's not telling them to attack the Imperials. He's convincing them not to attack him and Kanan. Yeah. That's how I their rage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll agree to disagree on this it, one. It's a tough one. I mean, yeah. yeah, without spoiling stuff, like we'll see more of Ezra connecting okay. with creatures. I'm just saying, <laughs> me disagreeing with Anders is just part of the Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. Jedi do have this issue with consent. I mean, think of these are not the droids you're looking for. It's kind of a Jedi tool to just. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to sell me death sticks. This guy was just trying to make a buck. Now Qui Gon, like, give me a, a ship. <laughs> exactly yep that was like the mind trick i i don't know about the connections with that i think that's just them yeah waving the force around okay but like mind tricking feels unethical (laughs) yes Yes. like okay it's a shortcut yeah 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 (laughs) like like we were like we were saying the jedi needs some professional development training for sure Since Ezra got a lightsaber and the color is blue, I kind of wanted to end conjecture at the cantina by reminding everyone or telling everyone what a blue lightsaber means. And according to ultrasabers.com, blue lightsabers are the most common colored lightsaber in the Star Wars universe. The blue saber was one of the original two, with the other being red, of course, as depicted in the Star Wars film Episode Four: A New Hope. The battle between Sith and Jedi is most easily described as using clashing colors of red and blue, which is what we're seeing here in Rebels, a never-ending rivalry between evil and good, dark side and light side. Blue lightsabers represent righteousness, valor, and bravery. Oh, Ezra, you precious little bean. <laughs> Jedi Guardians are most commonly seen wielding blue lightsabers. These individuals are highly skilled in the ways of the lightsaber combat and typically incorporate less force-attuned powers such as leaping acrobatics and telekinesis in their technique. Although Kanan we see do a lot of it, to be honest. I was going to say, Kanan is like a Cirque du Soleil dude, so... yeah. Um, Known for a powerful flurry of sword movements, blue lightsaber wielders fearlessly attack their opponents head on, never shying away from a battle. The blue lightsaber meaning at its very core is to serve as a protector and a gatekeeper, promising safety from the evil that tortures harmonious creatures in the galaxy. No consent involved. Yeah, none. (laughs) No matter how far a Jedi guardian is determined to seek out evil and extinguish its hold on peaceful beings that the Sith torment. 
Jedi of all ages, skills and abilities and species carry this color saber. Moreover, Jedi who carried these lightsabers would many times serve as frontline military leaders, the first to charge into battle and the last to leave. Blue lightsabers have been wielded by a number of famous Jedi, including Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and my guy, Kanan Jarrus. Also going to throw in Leia Organa in there. Hers was blue, as we see in Rise of Skywalker. Yep. And although Anakin made them this way, Ahsoka does wield them for very briefly at the end of the very Clone Wars. True. Talk about consent and lack of consent, fiddling with someone's lightsabers. Oh, Anakin, we love you. I'm just saying there's a problem here. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying there should be an inquiry. (laughs) Well, I think that's where we'll leave it today. So join us again next week to welcome a charming idiot, wait for it, to cast in the Rebel Season 1, Episodes 11 through 13. Until next time, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at Bohemian Geek Studies wherever you can watch those episodes. Enjoy Colleen's Book Corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. You can head over to theforgottenentertainment.com to check out all of their offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family, including... Yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with co-host Daniel and some special guests you may recognize are examining films <laughs> in Star Wars canon. Until next time, Kanan Saber way up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.